and welcome to Capital Press Fairfax one more time. My name is Rob and I'm a pastor here and we are glad again that you are with us this morning. I'm going to even move this back a little bit as well because I'm a large animal and I like to roam and uh, so I'm just going to scoot it back right here. Sorry for those of you on this side. I'm not going to move the piano but we'll be All right, Um, we've come to the end of our Easter series so that all may know. And our premise this morning is um, a puppy is not just for Christmas morning. All right, I'm going to explain that. But first, let's remember where we've come from. A few weeks ago, we started this series and we looked at the book of John. And when we looked at the place where John said, hey, listen, I've recorded all of these things. I haven't recorded all that Jesus has done, but these things that I've recorded, I've recorded them so that you might know that he is the Christ and you might believe and have life. And then on Palm Sunday, we looked at Jesus coming into Jerusalem. Uh, We notice he he comes in as a king, but he doesn't come in the way kings normally come in. He, He comes in a different way. And then we carried on with that theme on Monday, Thursday, looking at Jesus as the way, Good Friday, Jesus as the truth. And then on Easter Sunday, Jesus as the life and life from death. So we have one more sermon this morning in our Easter series. The premise is puppies are not just for Christmas morning. What do I mean by that? Uh, some of us have experienced this event. Some of us have seen it on social media, right? It's, it's Christmas morning. Everyone's still in their jammies. Maybe uh, presents have been opened. Maybe they're not open yet, but a box comes out, maybe a shaking box, or, um, or maybe the kid's eyes are closed, and then they open them up to see the world's cutest puppy, right? The crowd goes wild. Instagram explodes, heart emojis are everywhere. Uh, There's this cute puppy for all to see. But um, if you just think Christmas morning is for puppies or puppies are just for Christmas morning, that's not the whole puppy experience, right? Because on December 26th, puppy's still there, right? And let's say on January 13th at 2 a.m. in the morning when it's cold and raining, That puppy needs to be taken outside to go to the bathroom, right? And guess who does that? Not those cute kids in the Instagram post. (laughs) And no one Instagrams that scene anyway, right? That never makes it to social media. Uh, If you think that a puppy's just for Christmas morning, you've thought about it wrongly. Um, And in the same way, if we think of being outward facing, if we think of evangelism, if we think about taking our faith seriously, it's just for Easter, just for these couple weeks in the spring, then we've made a similar mistake. And so what we want to do this morning is to remind ourselves, what is our call? What is our purpose? What is our task? To be convinced that it's not just a task that we get to be busy about around uh, a couple weeks in the spring, but for all of our lives, we live this way. And we should be aware that there's a myriad, uh, a thousand options we could adopt for the mission of our life, for the calling of our life. Right? How we engage our high school lacrosse team, uh, how we step into our careers, whether they're just starting or we're wrapping them up, how we think about our retirement, uh, what we do in those spaces, we have all kinds of options. Um, and we need to take seriously uh, how we view our calling because it has a huge impact on our life and the life of those around us. So I'm going to pray and then we'll dive into our text for this morning. Pray with me. 
Father, this morning, there's men and women, boys and girls in this room, and we're tempted to give our lives to all kinds of different callings. Would you open our eyes in these next minutes um, to see you and to, to see the life you call us to as a church and as individuals? Would you give us ears to hear your voice and life-giving wisdom? Would you unearth the lies that we believe? And by your Spirit, would you lead us in the way of your truth? In Jesus' name, amen. We pick up in the narrative where we left off last week. You have these ten terrified guys in the room. Remember, Judas isn't there. Thomas isn't there. You've got 10 terrified guys in the room behind a locked door. Jesus shows up. He shows him, uh, shows the guys his nail-scarred hands and the wound on his side. Remember last week, James said he kind of likened those to his uniform. Let's you know what he's done and what you can expect from him. And um, he says, hey guys, Peace be to you. And then I love the next word, how John describes what went on after that. He says, and the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. They were happy when they saw him, that their friend, their friend is back. Their teacher is with them. Again, the journey is going to continue. And maybe, just maybe the mistakes they made weren't final. So he shows up there says, peace be with you. Uh, They're glad to see him. And then again, he says, peace again, just to make sure. He's not here to rebuke or condemn, but he wants them to be at peace. And then we come to this first discussion after the resurrection. The first thing that Jesus says to his guys, and we, we read it this morning, here it is. As the Father has sent me, even so... I am sending you. It's, it's this calling and this mission that we're going to focus on this morning, and we're going to do it in a couple ways. First, we're going to be real clear on what Jesus isn't calling his people to, and then we're going to look at three things about what he is calling us to. So one thing that he's not calling us to and three things that he is calling us to. Let's start with that first thing that he's not calling us to. We see here that uh, Jesus is recorded giving his disciples a commission, a sending out. And John's not unique when he does that, all right? We see that in Matthew chapter 28, the Great Commission. That's probably the most familiar one. We see it in Acts 1. You're going to be my witnesses. Mark and Luke also have it. But here's what's different about John's. This is what's unique about John recording Jesus sending out the disciples. In this, we see he likens what they're going to do to what he has done. He says, listen, As I've been sent out, I'm going to send you out. So he makes it clear that their work is going to be like the work that they that that he did. And that's not the first time the readers of John would have heard language like that. In John chapter 17, Jesus is praying to the Father and he's praying for the disciples, and he says, This, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. You notice those three words there? Into the world. All right, so, so he's saying, I've been sent by the Father into the world, and now we're being sent in this same way. Here's what Jesus is not calling his followers to. He's not calling his followers to only gather for about one hour a week on Sundays. All right? I mean, if we're honest, most people that drive around this beltway, most people that live in our neighborhoods, when they think about church, 
that's pretty much what they think about, right? When they think about the church, they think, oh, that's what people do for about an hour or two on Sundays. When they think about Christians, they think, well, the, those are those people that gather for about an hour or two on Sundays. That's probably the primary thing they think about us, is they, they meet for an hour on Sundays. Um, the only problem with that, right, is that doesn't seem to be the primary thing that the Father sends Jesus to go and be about, right? And that doesn't seem to be the primary thing that Jesus sends the disciples to go and be about. Right? Don't, don't hear what I'm not saying, okay? Don't smell what I'm not cooking, all right? Uh, I'm not saying that our gathering here isn't important, because it is. I'm not saying that the Bible doesn't call us together here on Sundays, because it does. Right? But as we gather here on Sundays, that's meant to be a time for us to, uh, to refuel and refocus. It's time for us to, to be healed and come together, to be reoriented in the midst of our going. It's time for us as a family of faith to, yes, and stop and honor God for all the reasons He is worthy to be honored. And then to get back to our regularly scheduled going. Right? We're, not, we're not marked primarily by our gathering, we're marked primarily by our going. And we need to be clear about that. Jesus would want us to be clear about that. Um, nowhere in the Bible does the Father send Jesus primarily just to gra- gather a crowd for a couple hours on one particular day. He sends Jesus to seek and to save the lost. Right? He sends Jesus Uh, To those who are sick, he says, the well don't need a physician, the sick do. Uh, He sends Jesus to hang out um, with lepers and with prostitutes and with tax collectors, those that are hurting. And yes, to gather them to come and hear about the love of the Father. And then Jesus says, in the same way that the Father sent me into the world, I send you into the world. All right, not to have a weekly gathering of the we've got all our stuff together and you don't club, but to go into the world and to bring hope and healing to those that are broken, to make mercy happen. That's how Jesus sends us, his followers, into the world. So uh, apologies if it's stating the obvious, but in the spirit of, of clarity, I want to make sure we're clear that that's that's not what we're called to do. And so a few questions. Are, are our Christian uh, lives primarily marked? Is, if you look at your life, if your life of faith, is it really just marked by this gathering on Sunday? Is, is, is that all there is to your Christian life and your walk of faith? And, and if that, that's it, I'm not here this morning to say, man, you're the worst, right? Uh, but I, I would say to you, friend, that's a good start. That's a good start. It's good to be here on Sunday mornings, but know that there is so much more. Know that that God calls us to to be about so much more. Our Creator calls us, and you will learn more of who you've been created to be if you step into this calling as a sent one of Jesus. So that's that's one thing we're not called to. Let's turn our attention to what uh, we are called to. Three truths about what we are called to. The first truth we're going to look at is This calling is a gracious calling. This calling that he calls us to is a gracious calling. First, we can look at the order of things here and what Jesus says. He says, peace be with you. And then he says, I send you. 
peace and then sending. Uh, peace and then this is the work that I have for you. Uh, we should acknowledge that's not the way we normally operate. We, we normally operate in, in this reality. I go and get my work done. I go and be about the work and then I might have peace. Right? I go and, I go and perform and achieve and attain and then I'll have, I can have some peace until I wonder if I've performed well enough or achieved enough. And then i got to go do some more work because my peace is gone, right? So, but Jesus, that's not the way he operates. He comes and says, hey, guys, peace. You have my peace. You have my blessing. You, you have me. And out of that, let me give you this task. Even relationally, right? In the way that we interact relationally, we can, can operate the same way. Like, look what I've done for this person. Look how I've loved this person. How can they not like me? How can they not approve of me? Again, Jesus doesn't operate that way. The gospel doesn't operate that way. He gives us his peace, and then he sends us to labor for him. John Stotts, a pastor, uh, was a pastor in the UK, and he says this about this verse. We learn that the church's very first need before it can begin to engage in evangelism is an experience and assurance of Christ's peace. So this is a gracious calling because it's peace, then the task. Peace, then work. It's also a gracious calling because look who's being sent. Right, right? Look who's in the room. Consider those 10 guys. Now here he's giving a wholesale commission. He's talking to all of them and sending them. But imagine for a moment if instead of doing that, there was an interview process. Right? Imagine if he was like, um, all right, it says here your name is Peter. Um, <laughs> Okay, Peter, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to create a scenario, and you let me know how you would handle this based on previous experience, all right? Uh, you're around a campfire, and a little girl asks if you know me. What do you do, right? Uh, what's that? Oh, next question? Okay, uh, fair enough. Or uh, what, what about the next candidate, Thomas? Is Thomas around? Oh, he didn't bother to show up. He doubts in my very existence. What a gracious... Uh, listen... The professional and character resumes of the guys in this room are not very impressive at all. And we should be aware of that, especially because we live in a city that's often consumed by resumes and how impressive they are. Uh, we, We should take a moment to pause and realize Jesus doesn't find it necessary to use people with impressive resumes it's great that you have one. shouldn't be ashamed of it. You should be thankful for it. Uh, but if it's your identity, if it's where you find your worth, if you think that's what qualifies you to be used by God, we're mistaken and you'll be disappointed. Um, this calling is a graciously inclusive calling where um, taxi drivers in Thailand, shopkeepers in Kenya, carpenters in Romania can all find grace and share grace. Right, right, high school students in Falls Church, people that work uh, in the Pentagon or in their homes in, in Fairfax, we can all find and taste salvation and share it with others. It's a graciously inclusive calling. And finally, it's gracious um, because maybe you think you're too broken to be used by God, like you've just messed up too much in the past. Like maybe, maybe if, uh, if, my battles, uh, your battles with addiction, you think there's no way God could use me. 
or my relational brokenness, the divorce in my past. There's no way God could use me. The public failure at work. If that's your thought, then you need to, to consider the woman at the well who had five husbands, right? But then she ends up being one of the first evangelists for Christ. Uh, Zacchaeus, who was a known crook to everybody, but is used by Christ. John Newton, slave trader, right? Who writes Amazing Grace, who tastes Christ and testifies to his goodness. It's a gracious calling. It's also a freeing calling. It's a gracious calling and it's a freeing calling. In verse 22, John tells us that he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. And again, John's readers would have already heard about the Holy Spirit. As Christians, we believe in one God and three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. We believe uh, and we see in John 14 and 16 that the Spirit is given to believers to lead them and guide them, direct them, comfort them, help them. So Jesus isn't the kind of master that gives his, uh, his people a calling and says, Hey, good luck with that. I hope, I hope that turns out all right for you. Uh, but no, he, he gives, gives us peace. He gives us a purpose, and then He gives us the power to go and live it out, the power of the Holy Spirit, the resources that we need. Jesus says, no, my, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. You see, as we're sent out, our job isn't to change people's hearts. We can't do that. Only God can do that. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. Our jobs are simply, simply to point people to the one that can change their heart. right? To, to live and to love in such a way that people might pause and say, how in the, why, why do you live this way? Why do you love me in this way? Give me a reason for the hope that's inside of you. And he gives us the spirit as we go along to help us live and love in that way. Um, Jesus' calling is freeing. Other callings that we might adopt, not so much. Right? Other, other things we might choose to make the center of our life, not so much. If you choose to make uh, the center of your life uh, being known by one and all as someone who is competent and can achieve and accomplish things, you might not experience peace and rest. If you make as your central calling just this uh, pursuit of uh, becoming an upper middle class citizen of America, you might not find peace and rest. But if, if you make your calling, the calling that Jesus has for you to be a sent one, he has promised his people that we will lack nothing, that we will have his spirit. Let, let, some questions, some self-evaluation might be helpful. All right. This morning, ask yourself, um, is my life marked by an intense pressure? Unbearable burdens, a, a constant and chaotic busyness? And you're saying, I live in Washington, D.C. Of course it is. Right? But it, it doesn't need to be so. If that's the mark of your life, if that's what you're experiencing day in, day out, you should say, have I adopted a lesser calling? Have I moved to the center of my life a pursuit of something, a mission uh, that isn't Christ's? Because we all have a mission. It's not whether we have one. It's, if, it's, it's not if we have one, but what it is. And if it's our saviors, if it's the masters. Because he's promised to give everything we need to live out our callings, including peace and rest. 
This calling of Jesus is gracious, freeing, and finally, uh, it's, it's meaningful. Right? It's, it's, it's a, a calling that brings uh, a meaning and a purpose. And if we're honest, all of us want that for our lives. We want significance, meaning, and purpose for our lives. He says there, the final portion of our passage, Jesus says to his followers, If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. What, what, what exactly does that mean? It, it very simply means this, that we're entrusted with a message. We're entrusted with this gospel, and this gospel that we share carries with it spiritual authority. The the, the good news of Jesus Christ's life and death and resurrection carries with it spiritual authority. That, That those who respond to it by repenting of their sins and believing that Jesus is the only way to life here and eternal, that they are truly forgiven. We are truly forgiving. And if we choose to embrace our sins, if we choose not to listen to that message and that good news, then we will not have a right relationship with our Creator, and we will not find life here or in eternity. So we're, we're entrusted. This is, this is our calling, the same as Jesus, to come and bring this message of hope and gospel and salvation. You and I, to, to, to share with someone that will bring true life, hope, and healing in this life and the life to come, something that lasts beyond the grave. Let me ask a question. I'm going to do a quick survey. How many, raise your hand. I know we're Presbyterians and, you know, we don't really raise our hands in church, but go with me here, all right? How many of you are originally from the D.C. area, like born and bred, raised, grew up here in D.C. area? Let me see your hands. All right. There's a few of you. That's great. But think about this. For most of us, um, God has brought us here to this D.C. area. And sometimes we think it's, well, it's just random. Uh, he brought us here. Um, he brought us here because we were following a girl, or he brought us here because this is where Uncle Sam moved us and thought we should live for a while, or he brought us here because we wanted to change the world and we were wide-eyed. Uh, but no, the Bible tells us... Um, that in the story of our life, God is actually the author who is working all things together for his good. And he's brought you here on purpose to join those that raise their hands and we're already here because he has a purpose for us. He has a purpose for Capitol Press Fairfax. He has a purpose for your life here in Washington, D.C. And it's to share this message that has authority, this gospel message, this good news. So you, you aren't here by random chance. You are here by the providence of God. So are you using where God has, the, the things that God has done in your life, where he's brought you, are you using opportunities to invite and expose others to places of grace and people of grace? And when I say that, I'm, I'm a little resident because I, resident. I don't want to add more things to your life, right? And so I'm not. I'm going to say just think about the things you already do differently. Right? So if you're going to your kid's soccer game next weekend, maybe stop and think about where you're going to put that chair and where you're going to sit and who you're going to sit beside and say, God, where would you have me sit? And when I sit beside these people, is there ways I can speak and love and point them to who you are? Um, I have one practical application. If you're on page 8 of the worship guide, you see it at the bottom there. I've given you one prayer to consider praying this week during your work. All right? 
during your work, whether you work outside of the home, whether you work inside of the home, if you're here and a student and you go to uh, Woodson High School, maybe pray it in between classes, but you have one prayer uh, that you might pray. Jesus, you have sent me to join in your work in this world. Please order the rest of my day in love for the people you have given me to serve. Amen. Would you for the next uh, you know, five days, Monday through Friday, just pause sometime and just remind yourself, I'm a sent one. Jesus, you've given me all that I need. Help me to reorient myself in the midst of this day to remember that reality, to kind of step away from all the other callings that I might have made central in my life and to live out this calling. Um, You know, my life, uh, both my life on this earth and my life at eternity was changed forever because of a pharmacist and a public transportation administrator decide to love a high school student. And that changed my life forever. My wife's uh, life was changed forever because a girl on her college tennis team. God uses regular people in regular places as his sent ones to point people to the love of the Father. Who might he use, uh, who might God use in, in... I'm sorry, I can't get that statement out. It was going to be a good statement, all right? God wants to use you this week. Uh, Who might it be in your workplace, in your neighborhood? Who might God use you to reach this week in your life? Uh, My wife uh, grew up at a church across the river uh, called Fourth Presbyterian Church in Bethesda, Maryland. Um, A while back, there was a senior pastor there uh, named Richard Halverson. Uh, He would go on to become chaplain of the Senate. But he would end a lot of the services there at 4th with this same benediction. And I'm going to end my sermon this morning uh, with it because it orients our hearts and minds to this reality that we see in God's Word, that we see when Jesus sends his disciples. It says this, You go nowhere by accident. Wherever you go, God is sending you. Wherever you are, God has put you there. God has a purpose in your being there. Christ lives in you and has something he wants to do through you where you are. Believe this and go in the grace and love and power of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, would you help us see this morning that you're calling us as individuals and us as Capital Pres Fairfax to, to so much more than just meeting together for an hour or two a week here. Rather, you call, you're calling us um, to go and, and share the love and grace of Jesus Christ. Remind us and press upon our souls this morning that the Savior we worship when we're gathered here has sent us, has given us a purpose, a gracious freeing and meaningful purpose and so would you lead us by your spirit give us faith and hope as we go into our days our workplaces our neighborhoods and our schools that others might know the life that we found in christ amen